Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. So welcome to another episode of the Business's Mission podcast with Mike Bear, uh, lovingly known as BAM Stories, because that's really what it is. It's the stories of people that God has drawn into the BAM movement in different ways. And today we have a, a special guest, somebody I met just, just the other day and really have enjoyed her story, her passion, and what she is called to. And I think many of you will find this to be a very inspiring episode. So Rachel Nelson of Freedom Business Alliance, welcome. Thank you, Mike. I'm really glad to have you. We've we've had multiple conversations in the last few weeks, and every time I talk with you, I walk away with something that's meaningful to me. So thank you. If for nobody else, thank you for what you're doing and the difference that you're making in the world. So I've asked Rachel to give us a little bit of background on sort of who she is, where she came from in her business career, and then into what is the Freedom Business Alliance, and, and really to concentrate with us on how that that organization is impacting the the sphere of human trafficking, and I, I will tell you when 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 I spoke with Rachel the first time, I knew about human trafficking, but I didn't know about human trafficking, and I knew about some of the solutions, but I didn't know about some of the solutions. So, if you have a heart for those who are truly living in captivity, this is be a podcast to listen to again and again, and hopefully to share with your friends. So, Rachel. Let's let's go right to the beginning and just give us a little bit of your story, your background, and, and I know you were just telling me you're you became a, a designer in high school, and so what does the pathway that first part look like for you? Well, I was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug early in life. I mean, I remember for my chores bringing my parents an invoice with my hand drawn <laughs> logo in the corner and uh, calling it my business, right? So, I mean, that was very early. I think my first legitimate business I launched when I was a senior in high school, and that was teaching other yearbook and newspaper staffs because I was editor of the yearbook my senior year how to do digital publication using all these newfangled uh, you know desktop publishing tools and I went around to universities and high schools and created a curriculum and delivered it. That was my first business and then I launched a couple more businesses in college, sold one of those businesses. Uh, they kept me on retainer in a consulting capacity and that pretty much launched my business consulting career, which is, what I was doing all the way up until stepping into the role of executive director. So you, as a consultant, you filled a lot of different roles. What are some of the different nuances of consulting in your experience? Oh, goodness. Well, um, you know, I started as a designer. So that's my, that's my kind of technical skill background, but design quickly led into working on all the communication pieces for businesses, which led into conversations about their business strategy. Because when you go to put something down in a brochure or on a website, you know, some, some designers will simply make it look pretty. I happen to be very opinionated and started <laughs> having conversations about, you know, the structure of their business model. And maybe it shouldn't be uh, communicated in quite this way 
play and met with actually really positive reception from clients who were looking for that kind of expertise and guidance into how to structure their businesses. And so my role really became one of brand strategist, consulting on business model innovations and uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's funny how that happens. And some people say in a very, very narrow little niche and then others just blossom out into so many different things, but they all right. come back to something, you know, that's central. So you did that for quite some time. And I know that you've worked for a number of different companies in that capacity. And then something grabbed you in the world of human trafficking and Freedom Business Alliance. It was an already existing organization based in the U.S., but with operations around the world. But tell us, I guess, how how you got there, because where I really want to go as quickly as we can is what is FBA doing? Why is it so important? And I'll have a lot of questions about the world of trafficking and how the kingdom business movement, the BAM movement can can truly be a a part of the solution. Absolutely. Well, I think my eyes first became opened in a really pivotal trip I made to Haiti in 2012. And because of my business background and some curriculum I had created, I was invited by a missionary there who was ministering to a group of single mothers who had resorted to prostitution in order to feed themselves and their families. And I realized that during that trip, that my story intersected with their story. I had had many struggles in my life, not nearly as extreme as theirs, but I was a single mother at that time meeting this group of single mothers. And instead of the curriculum that I presented to, you know, had intended to present, God really led me to share my testimony, something that I had never done before and shared it with this group of perhaps 30 or so women in one of their homes, really just a, you know, a brick room that had been built after the earthquake and everyone just really leaned in. And the Lord had put on my heart to share the promises he had made to me with these women, that they were promises for them as well. And I invited any who felt led to, to commit their lives to Christ which again, I had never done in my life. And seven women came forward, kneeled in front of me for prayer. And I prayed to the best of my ability, feeling like this is an otherworldly experience Mm -hmm. while all the other women were singing hymns in Haitian Creole. And I just felt like, okay, this is different than what I expected. And I can never go back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. I really at that point decided I was going to use all my business skills and experience to benefit women who were economically disadvantaged around the world. What I started to understand was the experience that these women in Haiti had was really just one experience along a spectrum of experiences considered to be human trafficking, where, you know, predominantly women are being um, sold, traded, their sexual services exploited, all because they lack economic opportunity. And let me let me jump in here and just just kind of pinpoint something for our audience, because this is, I think, one of the great misconceptions about the world of human trafficking that 
Some will think it's all either driven by a bunch of kidnappers, which it, part of it is. And the others think that it's driven by sexual perversion. And maybe to a certain degree it is. But the underlying foundation that you've made clear, and I want, I want our listeners to really be clear on this too, is this primarily an economic situation. It's driven by poverty, starvation, lack of opportunity, lack of privilege, and, and for women in particular, young girls to a certain degree, large degree, even young boys, to, to enter into this, however they get in, it's, it's not that's something they want to do, right? It's not, it's not something that they find <laughs> intriguing or exciting. It is a, it's a way to live. It's a way to survive. And I, so I just want to say that because, I mean, I think we, so many people that are around the periphery of this conversation still have questions about where did it come from? Why does it even exist? And so I just- Exactly. I, I'm so glad you bring that up because my eyes were not open to that dynamic for quite some time. Like I thought, oh, the, this specific group of women in Haiti are experiencing this. I didn't realize this is something that's happening all over the world and looks different all over the world, mm-hmm. but stems from a very common root cause which is usually extreme poverty, economic vulnerability, that oftentimes is a result of a lack of education, training, and opportunity. And so um, especially women are left with very few choices in how to go about providing for themselves, their children, and frankly, sometimes even their extended family who will sell them or promote them into these types of lifestyles in order to survive. Again, just to, I'm going to punctuate periodically because I just know the things that have spoken to me. You mentioned, you know, a family selling one of their children, for example, or a wife into this lifestyle. And it's, we tend to think, well, what kind of a father would do that? What kind of, what kind of parents would do that? And the answer I've seen around the world is that it's the kind of father or the kind of parents that want their other six children to survive. And so they do what they feel like they must in order to, to, to save the others. And I know that's so out of my realm of experience that it's hard to get my head around it, but my heart wraps around it to think about how somebody could be so desperate financially, so desperately in poverty that this would seem like a, a reasonable solution. Absolutely. I mean, it is extreme, but extreme poverty is exactly that. It's forcing people to make extreme decisions. And I think sometimes it, like I said, it kind of falls along a spectrum. And for some people, they are, they're outright selling their children. And sometimes it's just, they kind of don't ask a lot of questions when somebody comes about and says, I have this amazing job opportunity for your daughter. Mm -hmm. They'll say, sure. And they take their chances because those things actually do happen. Job opportunities do happen to go overseas and, or go across the border and work in a hotel. And they will just not ask too many questions because of the, the promise of funds on the other side of that equation. So that was, that was your, that was your contact. That was the beginning of your awakening. What was the journey from there to becoming the the leader of freedom business Alliance? What, What did that look like? Yeah, I was invited by freedom business Alliance to facilitate a really strategic meeting back in 2019 of the board. 
uh, that happened in Singapore. And they gathered to ask some pretty existential questions about freedom business and their role in the freedom business movement. What they were noticing is in through all of their connecting, which at that point, their primary activity, not their only activity, but the, the primary activity was to host forums in different regions around the world to gather together the freedom business leaders, along with subject matter experts and inspirational speakers to kind of give a shot in the arm to these businesses and to begin connecting this network. Through those connections, they realized this is incredibly challenging. These businesses are having trouble surviving, let alone growing. At the same time, they were seeing the transformation that was occurring inside uh, these businesses in the lives of those they employed. And it was clear this was a vital part of the solution to human trafficking. So on one side, they have this incredible call to action with 40 million people caught in slavery around the world and thousands now being rescued each year. And yet these businesses struggling to grow. So if this truly is going to be part of the comprehensive solution, there really should be a freedom business located everywhere there's rescue operations, which we aren't nearly there. And so the question was, can this grow? Can this scale to the level we need it to? And if so, what is FBA's role in that? And we used a framework developed by Deloitte for industry facilitators to begin to identify what are those barriers to growth? How could FBA remove them? And um, out of that meeting came a real pivot point for the organization. They decided to launch programs that would remove these barriers to growth. And in doing that, they knew they needed to hire staff. And the first hire was for executive director. Out of that meeting, I was so, I became so interested in the work and what I had learned in the context of that meeting. So I threw my name in the hat and uh, here I am. (laughs) We'll take a short break here, but Mike will be right back with Rachel Nelson. The Business as Mission podcast would like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Anchor. Anchor is the free platform for creating and publishing podcasts. Check them out at anchor.fm. They are part of the Spotify family. So take a minute and tell us, Rachel, when you say freedom business, um, you know, we talk about business as mission, kingdom business, gospel business. We've got all these labels out there. But, but what is what is the function when you say a kingdom business? What are they actually doing? Right. A freedom business exists to create employment opportunities for survivors of human trafficking and those at risk. Okay. So, say that again, because I, I think I see it as a very specific application of the more of the broader BAM direction. You know, we, we use it for planning churches. We use it for entering un, you know restricted company, countries. We, we we you know BAM has lots of application, but this is a very specific application of business's mission. So say, say that again. That- sure. And, and you're exactly right. It, these are businesses with a common, very focused mission, which they exist to employ survivors of human trafficking and those at risk. And they would, they're, they're all over the world. I know you guys have some centers of, of, I guess, strategic focus right now where you're trying to rally these companies around, help them create a, a network 
so they can support each other. I'm going to digress for a second. Back away from FBA just for a second and give us a give us just a, a few salient points on trafficking. Just again, I, it's so massive. When you said 40 million people, and I'm you know people's eyes are going to roll back in their head. That's unimaginable, right? And so when you look at trafficking. And, and you wake up every morning. This is this is your calling now. What what are the two or three things that that you concentrate on? Mm. Well, I would say you could get overwhelmed very easily in the face of forty million people caught in human trafficking. As an organization, you could get overwhelmed. Certainly, as an individual, thinking what can I do about this, you can get overwhelmed. And so, I think what's important is to think about what is your specific calling and in the case of our organization, what is our specific mission, uh, our specific vision. And that's what I wake up thinking about. I wake up thinking about the business leaders that we serve and knowing that those business leaders wake up thinking about the survivors that they are serving. So um, that helps to narrow the focus so that we can make traction in the lane that we are working and be the best partner for the other organizations in this ecosystem that are also working in their lanes and being experts at what they do so that when we come together in collaboration, we truly can move the needle on this um, incredible global crisis. So um, some of the things that drive me are the, you know, for instance, the incredible challenges that our business leaders are facing amid Mm COVID-19. It has interrupted their supply chains. They have had to make incredible pivots in terms of their operations to accommodate quarantine and lockdown. They are struggling to survive. So I like to say, you know, survival is in the DNA of these organizations because they serve survivors. They have incredible grit. And so, you know, I want to, you know, my challenge is to meet them in their in their strong commitment to see these survivors freedom sustained and create programs that help them stay in business and grow, especially as we come out of this pandemic. You know, it, as we've talked again, so, so many things you said to me over the last few weeks have just blown my mind that, you know, I, I think we, I'm pretty clear on the fact that, that the economic purpose of this, right, is to prevent recidivism. You know, we've got these agencies out there rescuing people, you know, going into temples with machine guns. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of, you know, dramatic and, and almost Hollywood. But and, and that's exciting. But then when they come out, what do they come out to? They come out to the same circumstance that drove them in in the first place. So jobs creation becomes really vital to their survival. And, and I would think at that point, any band company out there would say, oh, I will do that. You said something to me the other day that just stopped me in my tracks, and it, and I need to be stopped in my tracks periodically. But you were talking about you know the special requirements of a freedom business and and what it takes to minister to these survivors. That it's not just a job and it's not just being nice to them. Can you unpack that a little bit? That was very powerful for me. Absolutely. 
So I get the question often, you know, if, if we open up a few jobs for survivors in our business, would we be a freedom business? And I have to kind of uh, backtrack on that and say, well, theoretically, yes, but when you open up those jobs, you also have to be prepared to offer structures that will support the success of those survivors, because you're absolutely right, Mike they find themselves not only in the same circumstances that made them vulnerable to trafficking in the first place, but now they're traumatized because of the experiences that they've been through. So you're bringing onto your team someone who is likely unskilled and now also traumatized and not just traumatized, but traumatized in their workplace, so to speak, by figures of authority and have has dysfunctional experienced dysfunctional relationships with their peers and has not been taught kind of the soft skills required to be a good employee showing up on time conflict resolution and management all of these things that we take for granted even bef- that need to be in place probably even before vocational training or on the job training and we find that Our freedom businesses, through trial and error, have developed different interventions that create not just a job, but a healing-centered workplace that supports the total success of these survivors and works towards their complete reintegration into mainstream places of employment. That's what, when I said earlier, something stopped me in my tracks. That's what it was, because I I don't know that. I I know the grace of God. I want to share the love of Christ. You know, I'm all about providing somebody employment, but when, when you're really talking about, I mean, it would be fair to say that these survivors have suffered extreme PTSD. And, and, and so things could trigger them. Things could rewound them. Things could, they're already fractured, held together, you know, with duct tape and bailing wire at this point in their lives and learning the best practices of ministering to someone in that condition that's when I realized, wow, this is this is way bigger than just a business in Zambia that that, you know, that makes money. It's just way bigger. And so I think about that and it just it blows my mind. So obviously, this is not just for anybody. And the purpose of Freedom Business Alliance as an organization is to not only call people to look at it and, and train them to get into it and equip them with best practices to be more effective in their ministry, but really to create this network of like-minded companies around the world that can support each other, uh, even perhaps financially during these weird times. So I want to pivot one more time and just ask you to now look at the future. You you shared a plan with me the other day and with our organization, TriVenture, about what FBA is focused on. There's four key initiatives that you're zeroed in on. Please share that with our with our audience because I want to at the end of this, guys. I'm going to warn you now. I'm going to ask you to think about supporting this organization because what they're after is global. It's huge. It's going to take a lot of time, prayer, and money. And but you need to know where they're headed before I hit you. So go, <laughs> tell us tell us where you're headed. Oh yes. Okay. So we have four strategic priorities. And on top of those priorities, we have a strategic direction where we're headed to kind of deploy the programs that that come out of those priorities. So the four are uh, number one, awareness. 
we want to raise awareness in order to draw more people to this work, whether it's as an entrepreneur to start a freedom business, or it's as a mentor to one of the leaders of these businesses. There are many roles to play to help grow uh, and scale this movement. And we like to say we're on the course to make freedom business famous mm-hmm. and um, are embarking on a really robust communications program to, to see that happen. Our second is uh, research. So as I said, and as you uh, so aptly highlighted, this takes a lot more than just a regular business. And so where there are hundreds, thousands of books on how to start and grow a successful business, there's no you know, published guide as of yet as to um, what works and doesn't work in these businesses. And so it's been a lot by trial and error. We feel like it's our role to go out there to the field where this work is being done and begin to understand what has worked, what hasn't, bring those findings back so everyone can learn. And then that kind of dovetails with our third priority, which is training, to take those findings, shape them into a compelling, engaging curriculum so that uh, people from the very beginning can be set up to succeed and that we can meet each business where they're at and help them, them grow. And then the fourth is business development. So especially during COVID, we've seen a need for identifying marketing and sales opportunities that our businesses can um, go after together and we can coordinate strategies around increasing sales. Because ultimately in, in, in this industry, increased sales means increased job opportunities for survivors. It's that vital. So we aim to take all of these programs and activities. And uh, this year, actually coming up, we are going to have a very important conversation in which we identify some of the top hotspots around the world where we already have some existing member businesses. We want to go and intentionally into those regions with a multi-year engagement plan to see the needle moved and freedom business multiplied in those regions in a real hands-on approach. And um, just like you said, we are right now trying to form up a small, tight-knit global community of partners with business acumen who want to support this cause with their time, talent, and treasure, as we say, um, be closely involved and help us to engage in these regions with this strategic approach. So all of this is on your website that people can go look at, I'm assuming, and that is freedombusinessalliance.com. So I would encourage you guys, it'll be in the show notes, but I would encourage you to, to go take a look at it, learn more about this. And, and before I make my last pitch, so how could somebody get in touch with you? Would it just be R. Nelson at, at uh, freedombusinessalliance.com? Or is there a, another way to contact you with questions or interest or willingness to serve? Absolutely. Somebody can just reach right out directly to me, but also on our website, there is a partner application that someone can fill out that asks for just some very basic information and kind of kicks that process and conversation into gear. But really contacting anybody at freedombusinessalliance.com that that um, you'll see various references 
to different points to plug in on our website. And any of those leads are great ones. So again, the site is freedombusinessalliance.com. Now here's my pitch. I never, I never do this that I can remember on this podcast, but I do know, and, and Rachel's not going there, but I do know, frankly, they need money. And they've got a significant goal to raise money to support this work. Uh, the different four, each of the four pieces has kind of a, a budget for it. And one of the things I would encourage some of the listeners to do, if you're able, go look at what's going on. If God speaks to you and God gives you a heart for this, uh, this is a reputable organization. It has been around for some time. They're, they're shifting into a much more aggressive position. And for, for those of you who can't or aren't going for whatever reason, this might be a good place to invest some of your kingdom money. So uh, and I'm assuming they can apply for that. They can give online. You have a, a partner program that requires, I, I think, a, a fairly large investment. You've got smaller amounts people can give. And I know you're not going to go there, but I'm going there for you. Uh, <laughs> this isn't going to, guys, this isn't going to work without money. And don't don't be shy. So check it out. Look for opportunities and see where the spirit leads you. Rachel, any last uh, encouragement or, or challenge to our audience before we say goodbye? Just that I was in the same position as those listening in your audience. And if, as Mike said, the Holy Spirit is kind of tapping you on the shoulder and encouraging you to lean in, I just encourage you to take that next step at whatever point the Lord leads. Get engaged. This is a movement that goes way beyond just those starting businesses. There's a role for everyone, and we would love you to join along with our alliance. Fantastic. All right. Well, to all our audience, thank you for bearing with us. We went a little long, but I don't mind because I think this is that important. Rachel, I hope you'll come back and update us periodically on what you're doing and, and more specific ways we can we can join forces with you. This is Rachel Nelson of the Freedom Business Alliance. Check it out online. Uh, learn about it, pray about it, and get involved. It's a, it's a, a huge need. It's overwhelming, but this is a step. This is a non-overwhelming step that someone can take to, to connect with this, uh, this thing that God is doing in the world. So Rachel, thank you so much. God bless the efforts of FBA. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or tryventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen.